I'm actually feeling uh, better today, so uh, I, feel, I feel like this could be, a, uh, could be safe, but just incidentally, if I pass out up here. In Romans 12, which is where we have been for, uh, I don't know, a while, uh, some stuff stood out to me this week. Um, we said in Romans 12, verse 3, that for by grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these many members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all of the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. And if it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is mercy, then do it cheerfully. God, we ask for your word to be a lamp to our feet today, a light for us. For the decisions we have to make that we don't know what to do today, Lord, your word is a promise uh, that it would do that for us in your name. Amen. One of the challenges of going into the medical practice, among others, of course, is pronouncing medication names, pronouncing diseases, but one that I don't know that they cover so good at Vandy is uh, sometimes you've got to pronounce the name of the person that you're dealing with. And so it was discovered <laughs> with a young nurse, this is a true story, as she was holding her clipboard standing and waiting to call for the young uh, child to come back with her parent. It was her turn. You know how that is. You've waited forever, and it's now it's my time. And, and so she looks at her little clipboard, and she's like, could, uh, huh, sh uh, shade, shady, nasty, come? At which point a mother stood to her feet, stomped over with her baby, and said, I know you did not just call my baby shady, nasty. And the young lady <laughs> said, uh, uh, well, it's what, it, it's what it says here. It must have been a mistake. And the lady said, oh, no, no, it is not a mistake. The name is Shadynasty. It is spelled S-H-A, comma, at the top. D-Y-N-A-S-T. Why should dynasty? This is a true story. <laughs> should dynasty? <laughs> Could should dynasty please come? <laughs> Not shady nasty. <laughs> it's should dynasty. There are times in our lives when we can all look at the same information and come up with a different conclusion based upon many things, <laughs> based upon our uh, opinions in our lives, but I think most of all, based upon the gifts that God has put inside of us. And that's kind of what Paul 
is unpacking here, saying, hey, there's like, because of what Jesus did for you, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. Know that sometimes it's going to look like Shia dynasty to one person and then shady nasty to another. And it's nothing to get in a fight over. And he, in Romans 12, does that. He, he unpacks these gifts that God has given to us that are our toolkit for how we operate in this world. These are the, the gifts of the Spirit. And whenever, you know, you get into the gifts of the Spirit thing, people start to, I mean, immediately choke or panic or... I mean, I grew up uh, charismatic. I don't know anybody that did that, that, that. So if you've been around that world, the charismatic thing. Uh, incidentally, I'm just going to say this. As growing up, as, as we've gotten older in, in the charismatic world, in the, in the 80s, it was easy if you moved to another town and, and, and find a church because they were, if you were a Baptist church, you put that in the name. Now, you Baptists have gotten sneaky and stopped doing that. And so sometimes you're a charismatic guy or girl, you go to that and you're like, oh, never mind. I thought I could do the, 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 the run a lap, but that's clearly frowned upon here. So... Uh, we, but and I'll say this, take it a step further, if you're a charismatic person, even inside of that world, there's a little bit of uh, ambiguity, right? I mean, is this a flag church? Can I, do I bring my own flag or will flags be provided? Do we, you don't know, right? You don't know, is this the guy, can I do this here or not? So I almost feel like we need to have like some sort of like a, uh, a thing that says, hey, here's what, here's the deal. Uh, and, and look, I'm not pro nor against flags. I am flag neutral. I am Switzerland of flags. But but we don't have them here. We just don't. It's not that Jesus doesn't like flags. He probably really likes them. But we just, in this environment, we're, we're a non-flag church. But, but you get to the gifts of the Spirit thing. And if you've never been in one of those, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But those of you that have, understand. The gifts of the Spirit get, a little, uh, get you a little wigged out. Or they can. What do I do about it? How do I? And you, uh, because you think gifts of the spirit, you think those are ethereal things that uh, spooky, supernatural. You know, it's a good time to be a cessationist because I don't even have to deal with that. Uh, but the gifts of the spirit spoken of here in, in Romans, this isn't as confusing as we've made it to be. In fact, if you would hold your thumb there in. Romans and go to 1 Corinthians 12 with me, where those of you that are familiar with gifts of the Spirit would, would know to go immediately. And he says in verse 1, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. I believe King James says ignorant. The message I probably says idiot. Does it say idiot? Don't be an idiot. Um, message. You never know with, with him what he's going to say. But if you've got a King James Bible, incidentally, you might look at that word right there, gifts, and notice that it is in italics. If you've got an NIV, it might be in a uh, parenthesis. But the reason for that is because in the original text, it was not there. Uh, the uh, translators thought, hey, I want to be helpful, uh, and so I'm going to uh, put that word in there, gifts. Uh, but as always is the case, it's not helpful when they do that because it kind of confuses us. Now, you can understand why they would because the word is, uh, in the original word for spiritual was uh, Greek was pneumatikos, 
and it means spirituals. It's the closest word we have to it. We really don't have a word. So you put gifts in there, and that seems to be uh, helpful so then we would understand it. I don't think it's helpful because it's where some of the confusion might come from. Now follow me and see if you can, uh, you can smell what I'm stepping in. I think that this, and look, this is not a thus saith the Lord moment from Darren. I want you to focus in on uh, verse 4 here, okay? Because I want you to see what Paul does, and I think he simplifies this so much that you'll walk out of here thinking, oh, this wasn't hard at all. This wasn't difficult. I made it harder than it was. When he says in verse 4 that there are different kinds of gifts but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God at work. He breaks this down so simple that my seven-year-old could understand it. When he says this, in in verse 4 there, he, he says that gifts and the Spirit are in tandem with each other. Is it thick enough this week? I'm trying to make sure. you got to love my penmanship. And then he says in verse 5, he talks about service, and he ties it to the Lord. He ties it to Jesus. And then in verse 6, the word working, some of you might have administration, some of you might have operations. It's a word called enemergo, I'm not going to say that right, uh, emphasis on the wrong syllable. But it is a word that basically, it's like operations there. And it is tied to the Father. And when you look at these side by side with each other, what you see is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit working in concert with each other, in tandem with each other, for the body of Christ. And so when I look at gifts and spirit, I would suggest to you, that word there is uh, charisma, uh, C-H-A-R-I-S is the word, the Greek word for grace given to you by grace. And what, what does Paul say in Romans 12? By grace, these are given to you, these gifts. And I believe that he ties those, that that's what he's talking about. The charisma are what is in Romans 12. And you might think, well, these are very, very natural things, this leadership or this administration. Or I want you to know, I believe that they are supernaturally natural. If you put a spreadsheet in front of me, and Jaina Christopher, she's got a gift of administration. She can do it. She could, and I mean, my eyes would roll back in my head and would fall on the floor. I, I literally see spots when I see a spreadsheet. That's supernatural. When she is dominating a spreadsheet, you know, when, when you guys that are uh, the, 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 the prophecy guys, the, the direct speaking leader guys, that's supernatural to me. Supernaturally natural. He says in verse Five, he talks about service, ministry, and Jesus. And I believe that those are the ones tied to Ephesians 4. The Ephesians 4.23 gifts, which are prophet, pastor, apostle, teacher, evangelist. They're worked together for that. And then in verse 6, the operations of our Father, I believe are what a reference now in 1 Corinthians 12. I believe that they are the shock and awe campaign for God's ground war. He said these signs would follow those who believe. If you're following these signs and wonders, you've got the, the, uh, it's out of order for you. But as you're going, as you're following Christ, 
The signs and wonders follow you. If you stand up in an Islamic nation and declare that Jesus is Lord, not Allah, it's really helpful when someone gets out of a wheelchair. Ta-da! The gift of miracles. And I want you to know it happens all around the world. Today it's happening. But what I see in Romans 12 is that we could get so caught up in a 1 Corinthians 12 thing or pursuing the Ephesians 4 thing, I want to get on the career path for the ministry, that we forget the most basic, most fundamental part of what God did for us was that at the moment of birth, by his grace, he planted in you a seed of the gift that is in each and every one of you. And if I'm so busy pursuing those, I actually for, I just skip right over the most fundamental supernatural part of my life. If you go back to Romans 12, it's an amazing collection of gifts. It is, I believe, the entire picture of God in these seven gifts represented there. None of us have all of them. All of them, us have one of them. Jesus operated on all of them. He's the only guy in the history of the world, the God-man. God became flesh. He operated in every one of these. But each one of us, we've got one that is ours. And here's what I believe. This is why it's so important that we get this. Inside of that is the love of God, our gift. Your gift is a container for God, for his love, his story to be delivered. Your gift is just what it's wrapped in. It's the box that it comes in. And he says that if you've got the gift of prophesying, Verse 6, I believe that is a picture of us and how we can declare love. Prophecy is, in, in this context, there's one in 1 Corinthians 12, there's one in Ephesians 4. I believe there's a different nuance to each one of them. In this context, it's about somebody that is just that guy or girl that just speaks their mind. They just speak the truth. And the truth is love. What does 1 Corinthians 13 say? That love rejoices in truth. Now, if you're mad about truth, you might not be in love. But if you're rejoicing, because I'm just trying to communicate the truth here, that is what that gift is, is the prophesying, the speaking the truth in love. And those folks, those of you that have it, those of you that have been around it, you know that the one thing that person is probably not thinking about when they're speaking to you of all the things they're thinking about is not how you feel about what they're going to say. Sometimes they have the tact of an exploding cannon. And truth sometimes does hurt. And truth is a gift wrapped up inside of that is love. And I believe that that gift of Prophecy is a simple declaration. It's declaring his love. And he would go on to say that if your gift is to serve, then to serve. Prophesying, you guys are speaking the truth. Jesus spoke the truth all the time. To religious people especially, he would speak to them. Jesus would serve as well. And how did he serve the night before he died? He got up. I, look, if I'm going to die the next day, you're going to find me in a fetal position in the corner, weeping softly, waiting for someone to come and wash my feet. But not Jesus. He served. He stood up and served a very 
practical purpose that day. When he stood up, and at that moment when he served them, he demonstrated love by getting on his knees and washing their feet. Now, if you've never been to a country where you, wear a, uh, you don't wear shoes as much as you just wear uh, flip-flops and sandals and stuff, that is what that particular culture was like. And so when he washed their feet, this was very practical. You talk about shady nasty. These feet were going to be nasty. He served them. And I want to encourage you that if that's your deal, that's your gig, that's your gift, you can feel sometimes not very appreciated. You could feel like, I just get taken advantage of all the time. Nobody notices it. If your gift is serving, you're like, I'm just a dork. Nobody knows. And I want you to know that you're not a dork. You're a dorkess. Acts chapter 9 was a lady named Dorcas. (laughs) What a beautiful baby. (laughs) Let's name her Dorcas. If anybody, I'm sorry, did anybody? Please, God, no. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Dorcas in Acts chapter 9, and if you did, then you'll feel better about what you've you've named your child, um, was a woman that says in verse 36 that she spent all of her time always doing good and giving to the poor. It talked about that she was a seamstress, that she made clothing. And in Acts 9, it's recorded that she suddenly died. And interesting because they sent for Peter. You never see this happen again for someone like Dorcas. You know, there's the who's who of scripture and then there's the who's that. Who's that? Who's Dorcas? She's a who's that. And they sent for Peter and he came back and he prayed and raised. She was raised from the dead. And I believe the answer of why for her is simple. You folks that are, your, your ministry is serving. You're awesome. We love you. We may not say it enough, we, I'm sure we don't. We don't communicate it often enough, but we love you and we need you in the body of Christ. Peter was like, no, 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 we can't lose her now. She was raised from the dead. I think it's because she just had that gift of serving and everybody loved Dorcas. So if your gift might not be as celebrated as others, know that even if it's not publicly celebrated, it is celebrated behind the scenes, and I promise you that it's celebrated in the kingdom. He would go on to say that if your gift is teaching, that you should teach. That's kind of mine. Now, I've never thought of myself as a teacher as much as a guy that's just really rabidly curious and needs it to make sense. And so often when I encounter the scriptures, I'm like, no, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. And then seven hours later, I'm like, oh, okay, now I got it. This insatiable need to make it make sense. And then if I can make it make sense to me, I can kind of make it make sense to anybody. Teaching is what Jesus did extremely well when he defined love. In the book of Mark, it's recorded that the Pharisees came to uh, try to trick him and some officials and said, hey, what about paying your taxes? Should you do that? And he held up a coin with an image of, would have had Caesar on it. Caesar, incidentally, was, it would have been considered a deity. And he held up the coin with the image of Caesar and said, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. We know this, right? Interesting, because the coin was made in Caesar's image. Whose image was Caesar made in? The man who made Caesar in his image said, give unto him whatever you need to give unto him. This is all, this is a coin to me. I can hold them in the palm of my hand. And it says that they marveled at what he said. 
he taught them about how to love God. He defined love even with a government. And man, this week, could we use some of that? Just to love and to learn to love, uh, pray for our government. He said, this is, he taught us and he defined love in that moment. He says, if your gift is to encourage. Jesus was great at that. Always encouraging others around him. Saying to the disciples, you can do this. Peter, he said that Satan has desired to sift your soul as wheat, but I've prayed that when you are restored, that you will restore the brothers and sisters. He encouraged Peter, it's going to be okay. He said to Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. He loved him. He He always was an encourager. This is a gift that I just think is, uh, (laughs) is highly needed in the body of Christ. And there are those in this room that I know that that is your gift to encourage and you're doing something very special and that you are delivering love to those around you. You're the kind of person, and you know them if you've been around them, you walk away feeling better. Do you know what I'm saying? Those, those people are around here. Tanya, you're one of those. Sorry, is that, that's, I don't in preaching school, they, you shouldn't do that. But you're an encourager. You walk away from a conversation with Tanya and you feel better about life. She's an encourager. She's an exhorter. Does that gift in the body that is so needed for all of us. And then it says, if your gift is giving, that you should give generously. And some of you, that's your gift. That's your wheelhouse is giving. Jesus was a master at this when he gave of his own life to us and in thus doing so would distribute love. There are those that that's what God has called you to do, to give, to give financially, to give of your time, to give. It's a, it's a gift born in you at birth. All of us are called to give. Some of us are birthed to give. That's the gift that he's put inside of you. If it is to lead, that word lead is uh, administrating, administration in some of your translations. That's the, that's the idea of what it is, uh, is communicating because what you're doing is you are directing love. Because if you need to have uh, a bunch of people in the room that are all about giving and mercy, you need somebody there who can do some math. Jesus masterfully exemplified this gift when the 5,000 were hungry. How are we going to do this? He said, it's easy. Put them in groups of 50. We'll, uh, we'll spread the food this way, that way. And he, he had the gift of administration. And the people were fed and everybody went away, not only fed, but they had leftovers because he was a good administrator. Those of you that have that gift, it is an amazing gift for the body of Christ. We need it so much. You're not very celebrated. You get made fun of by dudes like me. But let me tell you what, if you, if, without you people around, I couldn't find my butt with a map and a flashlight. Okay? We need people with the gift of administration in the body of Christ. Skip right on that. If your gift is mercy, which I believe mercy is very, very simple, and that is to display his love. There were 10 lepers that came to Jesus that day, and he said, uh, they prayed, God, have mercy on us. And he did. He healed them, not by their faith, but by mercy. Healed him. And interesting, it says, if you have mercy, that's your gift to do it cheerfully. I believe that Paul says that 
interestingly enough, because how many of those lepers came back to thank him for it? One. If you've got the gift of mercy, you're going to get taken advantage of. But you're not doing it for them, you're doing it for the Father. And when you remember why you're doing it and the gift that you're delivering it, it was never about those other nine anyway. It was about bringing glory to our Father. And you can do it cheerfully when you know already, oh, it wasn't about them anyway. I was giving this to the Father. I wasn't showing mercy to them. I'm just I'm a, I'm being a conduit of his mercy to the body of Christ. These are the seven gifts that every one of us have one of in this room. And you might be thinking, Darren, how do I know which one is mine? Some of you, probably most of you already know. But how do I know? It's actually really easy. A little exercise in your mind. Let's say today you are made pastor of Conduit Church. Congratulations. What is the first thing that you would change? And some of you are like, well, I got a list of that. Let me get started on that. Some of you are like, man, you guys are, you know, as loose as cream corn, man. We need some organization in here. We need some administration here. We need to get some details figured out. So the details of it, you're probably an administration guy. And some of you might be like, hey, Darren, I appreciate this whole teaching thing, but I just wish you'd come down on them harder. I wish you'd just bring the thunder. Bring the church. Get the hanky up. Take a lap. Bring the truth. You might be the prophet guy. But hear me on this. We need every single one of these gifts in any instance we're going to encounter. And the reason that this is important, the reason that I ended up taking another week that I thought maybe I shouldn't even take, is because if we can recognize this, it saves a little bit on the bickering and the arguing. The Man, I can't believe that's, why is he handling it that way? This is how he should handle it. This, you know, and we, we can all Monday morning quarterback, can't we? I can. I have some opinions. Where I find myself guilty is when I am, what I'm saying is, well, they should do it like me and my gift, not recognizing that that's how their gift is handling this situation. Should dynasty, shady, nasty, it's the same word. It's just a different approach. The gift of prophecy would handle it differently. The gift of, uh, of giving would handle it differently. But together, coming together, when we're operating in concert with each other, that's why I think Paul said, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. Just remember, this is who I am. Humility is simple. Believing the truth about yourself. That is humility. When I look in the mirror and I believe the truth about me, it means that I'm not in a gift grab. I'm not trying to, as the pastor of this nickel and dime operation, trying to grab onto all of them for some sort of weird OCD control thing. I'm just saying, hey, this is my deal. This is my wheelhouse. And boy, we need somebody in this, and we need that, and we need all these things. What we don't, we don't need things, we need people. We need people to deliver their gifts, and when that happens, awesome. And until then, all we're gonna do is really mess it up if we try to make something happen without the person that God brought with the gift in them to deliver it, and we end up in a dysfunctional, unhealthy church environment. Don't think more highly of yourself than you are. Just say, this is who you are. Be it. And be it awesomely. Let the Holy Spirit move through you. And when we're working together, amazing things can happen. It happens all the time at Conduit. And you may not even realize it. It happened just recently when I introduced you to a little guy named Theo. 
And Theo lives in Angol, India. He has, among other things, spina bifida, hydrocephalus. But about a year and a half ago, maybe more, I, uh, I did a little sermon here. It was about Larry the crazy horse guy, and you know, I thought it was really fun and funny. And, and I just thought that it was over after that. I thought, okay, we're done with that. We move on with our lives. Well, a few months later, uh, a guy named Eric Fadley sits down with me, and he says, uh, hey, that sermon that you preached, that, was, that really hit me. And he said, I think we're going to move to India. To which I said, oh, back up, dude. I'm not that good of a preacher. Yeah, that was actually my exact words. You need to make sure that is the Holy Spirit. With you, But what happened was, was that Eric would take his gift of administration and his wife, whose gift was, is encouraging, and they would move to Angol, India. Once getting to Angol, India, they would find these orphans in this uh, special needs orphanage with 105 of these kids that needed it, and, and Eric immediately put his, his uh, gifts to work, and Tizra, her uh, gifts to work, and then in the meantime... You've got a little uh, Audrey Pate, who's 24 years old, and she's got a gift of mercy, and she feels like, I really want to go to uh, India and help these kids. So she does. Uh, I go there uh, last month with David, and we come back, and I make uh, mention of the, the Christopher, of, uh, not the Christophers, of Theo. And, and, and that day, I, I didn't ask them for permission, so I'm not actually going to say their names, and they're not here, or I'd ask them right now. Uh, which would count, I guess. Uh, but so, uh, you know, X person uh, uses their gift of giving, which is then given uh, and administrated through Amy, who is our bookkeeper, who has a gift of administration. And Audrey is in, uh, in India on the other side of that, and she can't be doing what she's doing without my wife, uh, Shannon, who has the gift of hot. Oh, wait, no, that's uh, the gift of, sorry. Is that a spiritual gift? A gift of serving. <laughs> she takes care of all of Shannon, uh, Audrey's books and the, her checks and helps her pay her bills while she's there. And here's what's amazing. All of these gifts working together, everybody playing their part. Theo, this last week, got to have his surgery. And... Uh, I think we found the avatar, incidentally. That's him right after <laughs> surgery. Audrey put a cup on his head, was trying to make, teach him to go cross-eyed. Uh, but he got to have the surgery that he so much needed because the gifts were all working together. Everybody was in their lane, doing their thing, and it worked beautifully. There's none of, like, I'm not trying to say, well, I got this, Amy, I'll send the money over because I want to get credit for it, or not, you know. It's us working together. And I am ecstatic about that. And if there is anything that I want to see more and more of is us doing that. What is the gift that he's given you? I was having a conversation with David Litwin this week, and he mentioned in Luke where it talks about the seeds and the harvest that is to come. And I've been around long enough where, you know, you, you know what I'm talking about to go. You pray for the harvest. Jesus said, look around the harvest, you know, pray for. So we're all praying for the harvest to come, praying. And Jesus said, the harvest is already here. Look around you. It's already here. Here's what I think he meant. Inside of us was the seed planted 
the moment of birth, at the moment of conception. And David actually unpacked a lot of this in a book that's coming at some point. I guess we'll, uh, I'll let you know when that happens. Uh, but that gift was, was in you there. Now, interesting, when I think harvest, I'm from Nebraska, I think wheat fields. I think barley, I think corn. But I wonder if what Jesus meant too was um, apples and fruit and things, because he speaks of fruit. So think, think, think through this, and we're going to hang up. He says, God is love, inside of us is that, and that the fruit of the Spirit is love. What if the harvest is that, and it's all around us, inside of you and inside of me? The harvest is there. So when I step into his kingdom as a, as a new creation in Christ, that that gift inside of me, that fruit of the Spirit, that love that is going to be wrapped in a peeling or a skin that could be prophecy or encouragement or whatever that fruit is, that as long uh, uh, when I am in that and I let that out, then that is the harvest that is all around us, even right in this room. There is a harvest of God's love in you just waiting to be released to the world. When you see Song of Solomon chapter 4, and it speaks of the king and going, uh, and it's a picture of his relationship with us, and, and he goes to her garden, and he picks and eats the fruit. The fruit was for him. We're his branches. He's the vine, and as we are producing fruit, he shares it with all of us. But it's his harvest, and it's already here. We don't have to wait four more months till harvest, Jesus said. It's already all around you. And my prayer is that we will allow that harvest in our own lives to be blossomed and to grow, that we might all around us see more come into his kingdom and that their harvest would bloom and that those containers of his love, the leadership and the administration and the giving and whatever, whether it's a banana or an apple or a pineapple, that that harvest is already all around us. And so many of you have already released that gift into here. It's not lost on me that that whole story of Theo started actually at a lunch table that was set up by people with the gift of service. You guys that are in that trailer loading and unloading, that's a gift of service there. You're creating an atmosphere where crazy things happen. And it was again in this room, in this atmosphere, where somebody, the gift of giving, heard the story of Theo. And that's, this is all in concert together. It's the body of Christ working. And you know what? As you discover and release those gifts, I believe that he will absolutely move you into a ministry gift in Ephesians 4. Not the, you're going to make a career out of this. Pastor, prophet, apostle, teacher. Move you into that ministry all around you. If you're, if you're a lady that's, you know, you've had your babies are grown now and you're, you're mentoring a younger lady who's got little babies and you're teaching her about life and about how to raise kids and that's a teacher. That's an Ephesians 4 teacher. You may not get a paycheck for it, but I assure you that God knows it. You're like, yeah, but I don't know about the hermeneutics thing and I don't know whether I'm pre, post, or trip. I don't know how to explain any of that stuff. Ask the young lady's husband if he cares whether or not that you understand the original Greek word for, you know, raising a child. It, it's teaching your gift can be in that 
Pastoring is shepherding. We think of it as the CEO gig. That is not the picture that is in the scriptures at all. You that are shepherding and loving and nudging people towards truth, you're already pastoring. You're already in an Ephesians 4 gift, whether or not you get a paycheck for it. But before we move into any of those, let's begin right where we are with the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, wrapped up in the gifts of the Spirit. We have a world of theos out there that need us. Believe that's why Romans 12, Paul would close that chapter out saying, here's what you do. Hang out with those who are considered less than you. Feed those that are hungry. Love on those that need love. The world is in need of your gift. Don't hoard it at your house. It's just going to rot anyway. Give it out. Give it out. I need it. Our body needs it. And whatever insecurity that Satan might try to tie you up with to say that I'm not qualified, I'm not this, man, just cast that out right now. Cast down that imagination. It is exalting itself above the knowledge of Christ. And what Christ knows is that you are qualified because he's the one that gave you the gift to begin with. Lord, would you reveal to us today those gifts those of us that have maybe been holding on to it because we're scared or because we don't want to fail, this, we cast down those imaginations. Those are things exalting itself above you, and we reject them. Lord, we are in a room full of harvest right now, and we look all around and see that the harvest is already here, a harvest fit for a king. And today, Lord, even today, could we leave today? And could you show us places that we can distribute that love, that it is supernaturally natural? And Lord, for those of us that get a little wigged out when we're around somebody that isn't operating in the gift and doing the things the way that we would want them to do, me, Lord, would you forgive me for those moments? Forgive us. And as Paul said, just we'll know, think of ourselves as we are is loved and bought and paid for and pursued by you that we might be able to deliver that gift to the world around us for the Theo in Angol, India and the Theos in our backyard and the Theos in our city in our nation and around the world it's for your good and your glory that we want to deliver those gifts in your name we pray Amen